5, 5, 4, 4, 3, 3, 2, 1, 1. We have ignition. Strap in. Thank you for listening to WGSR.net. Bringing hope and comfort 24 hours a day. Thank you for listening to WGSR. Become a partner today. Just go to GodStoriesRadio.com and click on the form so we can talk about your business. WGSR, bringing hope, comfort, and encouragement to the world 24 hours a day. God Stories Radio, a podcast to hear your soul, bringing you hope and comfort through the power of Christian testimony. God Stories Radio, a podcast to hear your soul is coming on. And welcome, everyone, to God Stories Radio. This is session 96. I'm Fritz. And I'm Tina. Oh, and the rest of the gang is not here. Mikey or Trish. Uh, Trish was sick tonight, and uh, Mikey didn't come because our regularly scheduled guest, we were going to have a call in from somebody uh, from the UK tonight, and uh, that didn't work out. So my lovely wife... It's been on her heart. Um, She's been impressed to give her testimony now for a few weeks. And I couldn't think of a better time or a better instance to to do it. You know, we we had a night off and we were sitting in the studio and we're just like, you know, we're just going to do it because somebody really needs to hear this testimony. And I'm so honored and thankful that she's willing to give it. I do want to welcome... Trish normally does the shout outs and she's not here, but I do want to welcome a new country, uh, Gambia, to uh, to our listeners. And uh, I just thank you so much, uh, Gambia, for listening. And the Freedom Radio Network also launched this week. And I got to say that I'm already maxed out on listeners. Uh, so it is going amazing. People are loving it and enjoying it. So Freedom Radio Networks with an S dot com. You can go there and listen to a diverse uh, lineup of Christian music. I'm sure there's something there for everybody, which is wonderful. There's also WGSR.net. Don't forget, you can listen to Mikey 24 hours a day there. If you're you're missing him, you know, you can just dial him right up. WGSR.net. And uh, send us a line at GodStoriesRadio at Gmail. You know, if you have a written testimony or something that's happening in your life, send it in. We'll be glad to read it. We'd love to interview you. We'd even love more if you came by the studio and sat with us. But we understand that's not always possible. So we'll we'll take your story any way we can get in touch with it. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to introduce my lovely wife, Tina. Hi. Hi, honey. How are you doing over there? <laughs> I'm doing well, thanks. That's wonderful. So, I should know a little bit about your testimony, being that you're my wife, but you know there's a lot of intricacies about your past that uh, I don't know, and I think I'm really excited to hear these things, so I can kind of, I know bits and pieces, but now I can kind of sew things together, and I know there's somebody out there listening right now that needs to hear this. Because I know the 
kind of the crux of the testimony and it's going to be amazing. And again, I'm so glad that uh, you offered to share it and I'm going to turn it over to you, babe. Okay. This is my wife, Tina. Hi everyone. Um, first of all, thanks for joining us and, um, I'm going to go ahead and do the best I can here. I'm just uh, praying that the Lord really is the one telling the story. Amen to that. So um, hope that it uh, it says something to you, to your heart. So with my life, I, I will logically start at the beginning because I tend to be a logical creature, which my husband knows all too well. You're but, a thinker. There's no... <laughs> There's no doubt about it. You are a thinker. Yes. So um, when I was born, um, I was born under complicated circumstances. I was the last of 10 children. And my mother, uh, biological mother, passed away shortly after having me. She uh, hemorrhaged to death and um, left 10 children behind and a husband. And she was only about 34 years old when she passed away. So a very young woman for having that many children. So she had uh, brothers and sisters and her sister who was um, living in England and already married, heard about what happened and was obviously devastated, um, but also in the same breath wanted to know what was gonna happen with me. So uh, she and her husband uh, made the decision that they would adopt me. So um, I was adopted along with one of my brothers who was uh, 14 years my senior. And we were moved to England. So I only spent six months in my native country of Guyana and uh, was immediately moved to, to England. So really... I have to say I grew up partially in England. With my brother being so much older than me, uh, within about a year or less less than two years, he went to the British military and pretty much moved away from home. And then when he was a little bit older, he moved back to Guyana. So uh, I pretty much was raised as an only child. and. Uh, my adopted father used to work overseas and so he would be gone for six to eight weeks at a time maybe home for a couple of weeks and then gone again so primarily it was always my um, adopted mother and myself and i think um you know when i think about my early years um you know, I had a really good childhood. I had a childhood where I felt safe and I felt secure, but also in the same breath, I was always walking on eggshells. Um, I went, I started school at age four, which is not uncommon in England. And I, uh, my parents put me in a, um, a Catholic school. It was run by nuns. And um, I think that's, you know, it was such an amazing experience in my life. It really helped form who I am, the love and the kindness that those nuns 
uh, gave me. I really feel like it was such a foundation for my entire life. Um, they were very kind, and I grew up in the 70s, and in England, I was maybe one of one of three colored children in the school. Um, so there was, you know, things like of that nature to deal with. Um, but the nuns were very kind and loving. And then at home with my mother, um, you know, I love my mother dearly, and she's done the best that she she could. But she didn't have the best upbringing herself as a child. And it definitely had an impact on how she parented. Um, I was frequently afraid of my mother. Um, she was, you know, always angry and um, yelling. And um, I just remember just trembling a lot. You know, I remember being punished a lot. Um, things that I you know, don't really understand, but, and then when my father would come home, it was like vacation time because he would just do everything with me. I was his sole focus and, you know, all the fun stuff he wanted to do. So, you know, make a plaster mold and paint it, um, go searching for, we call them conquers, I think, I don't know what you call them here, chestnuts or something like that. Go, you know, hunting for them in the streets and lots of walks to the to the seafront area where all the little rides were and just always fun things. He always had time for me. He was always listening to me. It's and, a pretty unusual trait in a man, you know, especially one that your dad traveled a lot. Well, he was a father later in life to me. He was actually 45 when they adopted me. And I think that, you know, at that sort of age, he had come to appreciate different things in his life. Um, he was, however, um, an alcoholic, so it wasn't a perfect childhood. Um, he wasn't an angry drunk person but he was just a drunk person um so you know my mom had a hard time dealing with that because every time he comes home that was you know what she had to to live with so it wasn't an easy life for her and after about i think it was a total of 10 years they were together but seven with me around she decided to divorce him and that meant I had to leave the country with her because she was um, ready to move to California where she had a sister and she could live with her. So we did that and it was a huge culture shock. Um, I mean, you'd think, you know, they're both the Western civilizations that there wouldn't be that much of a difference, but it was a huge culture shock for me as no, a child. I would imagine going from the UK to San Jose. <laughs> yeah, and not just like the nice end of San Jose, like right. the hood. <laughs> so, um, you know, I had never really experienced a lot of things, like even lying and 
people who children who told lies it was just sort of like well we didn't do that you know we were in a nice elderly community and people were kind and friendly to each other and kind of looked out for each other and I went from that kind of environment to um you know people looking out for themselves basically yeah Yeah. very much so um and you know I was I think I was pretty outgoing um, in my younger years, and then when I came to to California, you know, my life changed drastically. My mom met a man, and um, yeah, after her divorce, and she started dating him. And uh, while she was dating him, he started sexually molesting me. So I was only about seven or eight years, I think seven years old at the time. And I I just had no clue. I just didn't know what was happening or what was going on. I probably didn't even know if it was good or bad, to be honest with you. Just not a real thought in my head. Just sort of um, stunned, I guess is the best way I could put it. And um, she ended up marrying him. And we moved into his house, and the abuse continued. And um, it continued for until I was about nine or ten years old, and then my mom found out. She caught him um, abusing me in my room, on my bed, and um, just everything drastically changed at that time. Um, I was blamed by her that, um, I allowed it to happen. And, um, my, I guess I have to call him my stepfather, although I don't think of him as my stepfather in my head. I don't even, I don't even remember what he said. I think he tried to deny it. But, you know, she was, she walked in and saw him doing it. I don't even have any memory or recollection of that he was doing anything to me. I, I've tried for years to, you know, remember and I don't remember at all. So I guess I blocked it out. Well, that could be a blessing. Yeah. Maybe the father did that. Yeah. I don't know. And then, um, It was pretty much hell. I remember being in fourth grade and trying to act normal every day when I was going to school. And when I came home, you know, my home life was was horrible. And uh, I got to the point because my mother was so upset and distraught that um, I just didn't want to live anymore. And I was just tired of being punished, you know, emotionally. I wasn't allowed to be in the same room with him anymore. I wasn't allowed to to speak to him without her being around. And, you know, this is while we're living in the same house. So, you know, I was very literal about everything. Like, I made sure I wasn't in the same room with him. Um, I just remember feeling stressed out a lot. 
And um, one day I just got up and I was going to go to the laundry room and drink bleach. I guess that's the only thing I could think of that would kill me. And um, I don't know what caused her to ask, but she asked me where I was going. And I just, you know, I didn't even lie about it. I just said, I'm going to go drink some bleach. And uh, the next thing I know, she slapped me across the face, which I probably needed so that I could wake up and snap out of it. But um, it was... Uh, It's a very sad time. I can't even begin to uh, to imagine to tell you that I even imagine what it was like. So, uh, like I said, I was about nine years old, but it wasn't the first time that it happened to me. And I guess why I thought it was okay, I just, I didn't know. But um, when we first moved to the country, you know, there was another instance of somebody else abusing me repeatedly. And again, you know, I basically went from one abusive situation to the other. And, um, I guess because being told as a child that something's wrong, it's sort of like it dawns on you and then you start to remember and relive it. So it was, um, it was difficult because, uh, shortly after all this happened, with, uh, with my stepfather, we moved out, and um, we were, uh, I guess we were doing okay. We were in our own apartment, and then my mom started dating him again, and I just, I couldn't understand it. It just didn't make any sense to me. So, um, I mean, he never tried anything ever again, but, um, that's something I guess I've struggled with getting past, even in my older years. Just, you know, why would you go back into that situation or allow that person back in? So it's sort of, um, the beginning or not even the beginning, but the foundation of a difficult life with, with my mother. And, um, you know, my mom, I just adored her. I just always, I thought she was the most beautiful woman in the world. And, you know, I just, I just hung everything on what she said. Um, but she was very, very difficult to please. And um, I think I was just so desperate for her approval, especially after, you know, you've done something terribly wrong. Um, you're just trying to, to get back into her good graces, but, you know, she doesn't really forget anything. Or in your defense, you were led to believe you did something terribly wrong. Yeah. It's not like you 
the, had a choice there. Yeah. So, you know, for, for years, I just tried so hard to, I think, be a good daughter. And not that I think I had to try really hard. I think it was sort of natural for me to be a good kid. I was raised well and, you know, I had a love for the Lord in my heart. I just didn't know very much about him. And I remember when I, when I first came to this country, you know, asking friends of my mom, you know, can you tell me about Jesus? Can you tell me who he is? And because in England, you know, we grow up knowing about God, but we don't know anything about Jesus. They don't teach you about who Jesus is. And, you know, I I had this yearning inside of me, even at seven, you know, to know more about him because he was already in me. I used to pray a lot as a kid because, you know, when you're in a Catholic school, you pray all the time. So it's like, you know, I knew what to do ritualistically. I just didn't know what a relationship was like, even though through my prayer life, I had a relationship. So probably... Until I hit about 17, I think I changed a lot because um, once I hit 17, I thought, I don't know if I just started getting attention from, from guys or if I just started noticing them. I don't know what it was, but I mean, that was the age I was when I got my first boyfriend and I just I was kind of become hell on wheels at that point I was sneaking out of my house and you know drinking and smoking pot and just doing whatever I felt like doing and um you know trying to find a way to cover those wounds yeah pretty much I guess so kind of numb the pain Mm -hmm. we've all been there yeah. So, you know, I remember when I hit about 18, 17 or 18, I met my best friend, Eddie, and uh, his mom and was a devout Christian woman. And, you know, she was able to answer some questions I had. And then she's like, well, why don't we start a Bible study together? Like, Great. Okay, why not? Meantime, I'm still living this other life, you know. I even remember showing up stoned for Bible study, you know, because I was just not not living the way I should live. And, uh, you know, just trying to find approval, I think, in, in ways that I didn't need to f- seek approval. But, um... She's the one who really led me to the Lord. She started telling me, well, you know, let's study the Bible. And she really did. She'd dive into it and she'd explain things. And I was just like, wow, you know, just never really knew all of this. And I started getting curious and interested. And it started uncovering something in me. And then she said, well, you need to get baptized. And I'm like, well, why do I need to get baptized? You know? She said, because, you know, it's a step of obedience, you know, you need to 
get out there and proclaim your faith and and start living your life differently. And she had no idea how I was living my life at the time. And I'd love to be able to tell you all that once I got baptized, I was just immediately cured of all of my sin and, you know, lived with a halo <laughs> happily ever after. Yeah. But we all know that's not true. I don't think it was true for any of us. Yeah. So, you know, probably about three more years of the uh, clubbing scene and the drinking, underage drinking and... um you know, having multiple, you know, boyfriends and stuff over the years and um, just really being damaged, I'd say, just emotionally damaged and not understanding why you, you are the way you are. And then um, when I uh, got pregnant, everything changed. Although I didn't get pregnant, everything didn't change the first time I got pregnant, I should say. I got pregnant at 18 and um, had an abortion. And it almost killed me emotionally because I couldn't believe that I would make a choice like that to end another life. And... Um, I was devastated and, you know, you talk to your friends and you try to get consolation or, you know, and they're like, well, we don't know what the big deal is, you know, it's just, uh, just get over it. So I guess you could say I did my best to get over it, but then probably not even a year Oh, maybe two years later, a year or two years later, I was pregnant again by the same guy. Or excuse me, a different guy. And um, I just, you know, I knew what to do at that point. I just went in and got it done and went back to school the next day. You know, it was just ridiculous. I just acted like nothing was wrong. I mean, I'd go in and have this procedure performed on me and then go home and act normal. Well, you uh, really became a professional in squashing things, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just putting it out of your mind the best way you could. Yeah, I didn't even let it register the second time because I knew if I did, I just, I don't think I could survive it. Um, and, you know, I think it's really sad, you know, because then I got pregnant a third time. And I was only only 22. And I, I looked at my life and I said, this has to stop. And I have to change things. You know, and that's when I was, uh, when I made the decision that I was going to have my child. And I think the hardest thing out of all that was telling my mother that I was pregnant and that I was keeping the baby. Um, I'm sure that went over like a lead balloon, didn't it? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what my dad would say. Um, yeah, I got kicked out. She didn't want to talk to me. She didn't want to know. Um, 
I had disgraced the family. I basically was the first one to come home pregnant like that, you know, um, in my family. You know, everybody in my family was pretty, pretty good. Um, so I think it was about my eighth month, right before I was, you know, going to have the baby about a month away. She accept, accepted me back into her life and um, she helped me raise my son. And uh, my son, having that baby, it changed my life because all of a sudden, I guess, I had something to, to live for. So I started going back to church when I was pregnant. I um, started taking care of myself as soon as I knew I was pregnant. Um, I had stopped drinking probably about a, six months before I had even gotten pregnant. Um, I mean, I was exercising, I was, you know, taking care of myself. And, um, and then when that little boy came into my life, he just meant everything to me. And, uh, he's 22 years old now. And twice as tall as you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. So uh, I raised him on my own. His father was um, not the type of man that I needed to keep in my life. Um, so I chose to raise him on my own and um, my mother helped me tremendously. Um, she basically has been the other parent to both of my children. I have uh, another child who's uh, almost 10 years uh, younger than my oldest. And uh, I was married when I had him. And uh, unfortunately, because of uh, the difficulties of trying to make a marriage work and being married to somebody who, although he was a believer, he wasn't a practicing believer. We were very much unequally yoked. And it showed in our marriage. And so uh, Matthew was only about a year old when I divorced him. But, um, you know, my mother, um, after the divorce, was uh, really supportive. She moved in with me, helped me raise my youngest son. She quit her job to, to help me raise him. I saw so many changes in her. Um, you know, she started... Uh, receiving things like uh, knowing when she might have spoken too harshly or, you know, just saying, you know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Um, it made such a difference. It was like, I felt like our Christianity was finally rubbing off on her. Um, and she lived with me for 12 years and, you know, I couldn't have, I couldn't have 
raise these two boys without her help. She was instrumental and uh, a wise woman, you know. But, um, but two years ago, I don't know, less than two years ago, a year and a half ago, something seemed to kind of snap back in her. And uh, she just, you know, won't talk to me and is upset with me about something that I did and uh, has decided that it's worth not having a relationship with me. So it's been really difficult. And I've uh, had to surrender it to the Lord and uh, allow him to, to do what he needs to do. But it's, uh, it's painful, especially around this time of year. Yeah, I watch you really struggle with it. It just really hurts me inside to see you going through that. Yeah, you know, I think, I think I have all these emotions towards her, you know, I have anger from childhood and then I have gratitude for, you know, all the things that she has done right because, you know, the things she did do right, she was pretty amazing. Um, and then I have the fear, you know, because when she used to get angry and lose control, it was just like... You know, I would be trembling inside, you know, I remember that feeling as a little kid where I was just shaking. Um, so there's just, you know, and then there's this deep love that I have for her. It's like, yeah, I just love her so much. And, you know, that's what kids do. They love their parents. Yes, they do. Uh, that's what hurts the most. And especially when you, you just don't understand what happened. Yeah. So, you know, I haven't really talked, I've, I've kind of talked about some things that happened in my life, but all these things that happened in my life, I couldn't have gotten through them without my relationship with the Lord. Amen. So, you know, as a small child, everything that I went through, I wasn't alone. I had him to talk to and to help me. And, um, you know, I don't know what his purpose was for, for these things to, to cross over into my life. But he's going to turn turn them around and use them to benefit somebody. And, um, you know, I take a lot of comfort in that. And I certainly don't blame him. I don't blame him one bit because, you know, we all have choices to make in this world. And the men who did those things to me, they made their choices. You know, we all have choices to make. One thing I realized, and I realize it again just listening to your story, is the choices that we make and how it affects others. Some of the choices that I made, lousy, stinking, selfish choices, and how it affected my previous marriages, how it affected my kids, 
Mm-hmm. And you can't recall the ripples in the pond. I mean, once that stone is thrown. Yeah. All I know is I'm thankful that we serve a God that takes everything and makes it new, cleans it up, and uses it for his glory. Yeah, amen to that. And he can take a mess like what you went through in your life, babe. And I know that the Father's going to restore your relationship with your mother. I know that's a desire of your heart. Yeah. I do know that, you know, he's given us freedom of choice. And for some reason, your mom has chosen to separate herself. But I do know that we can stand in proxy for her and we can believe that God's just going to do something mighty there. I believe so. I believe it. And he's going to restore your relationship. And he's going to do it in such a way where he's obviously going to get the most glory and people are going to see it. I see what he's done in my life. I mean, he carried me through my younger years and then he protected me through my older years when I was in my, you know, spinning out of control. And then he uh, provided for me and my children for those years that I was struggling as a single mom. And then, you know, I feel like, you know, after over 20 years as a believer, um, and I say over 20 years as a believer, but truthfully, I, I believe I've been a believer since I was a young child, but not counting those years. Um, I see how he's now changing my story because my story used to be one of just pure damage and nothing would ever get right. And just, it was almost like I was cursed. I was cursed to never be happy. I was always the sad person. And then, you know, he brings you into my life. And I had to wait 10 years for you to come into my life. But boy, what an answer to prayer that did he bring. He brought that Boaz man into my life. And somebody who was compassionate and who had a heart, you know, a soft heart that would be able to understand me and connect with me. And, um, yeah, I just, I just treasure that so much. I really do. It's such a blessing. It's one of the jewels in my crown, you know. Well, amen to that. I mean, not as a negative, but you haven't exactly been the easiest to understand. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm sitting across the table from you listening to this testimony is such a blessing for me. You know, and now I know why God put us together and I know why I fell in love with you. And it's not because I felt sorry for you. It'd be easy to say, oh, man, she's had a rough lot. I feel sorry for her. That wasn't it. God put a genuine love in there. And I don't have the best testimony and the best 
story either, but we've always felt since we got together that God had something for us to do mm -hmm. together. Yeah. And I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. I do too. We're going to see some good things come about in the next few years. And so I always tell Mikey, you know, strap in. Yeah. You know, tragedies happen in people's lives. And, um, yeah, I know it's very cliche to say that, you know, it's not how you get through it. It's what you do moving forward. But, you know, it really is. <laughs> it's cliche for a reason, you know. Um, you can let it devastate you or you can let it empower you. And, um, you know, I was always very meek and very timid and very shy after all of this happened to me. And God decided, you know, you're not going to be that way anymore. And when I turned 39 or 40, he started flipping my life around. Next thing you know, he's got me leading things and speaking in public and speaking in front of people and in meetings and things that I never thought that I would do. I just wanted to be a wallflower. I just wanted to be forgotten. And he said, oh, no, it's not going to be what happens with you. And then he started putting the desire in my heart to want to do these things. So it's really, you know, things have really changed. But that's just part of his restoration process, you know. He created me a specific way and he says, you're not going to live the rest of your life in the way you think you need to be. You're going to live to my glory. Amen. Thank goodness our thoughts aren't his thoughts. Yes. And our ways aren't his ways. He can see around the corner. We can't. Yeah. But that's part of the excitement. That once you reach a level in faith where you're just... You know, I can't say I'm there quite yet. I'm still human. I still get discouraged. You know, I still throw my little tantrums. I want it now. <laughs> Why aren't you answering my prayer, Father? Now. I want it now. Wah. But it's in those times of stretching that he will throw you the bone. And he will show you. Or he will at least light up the direction he wants you to go. He will direct your, direct your steps, I should say. But sometimes you just have to be still. You know, one thing I do want to say about prayer is um, I don't think I have a prayer that's not been answered. You know, when I think about it, because I used to pray for so many things. I used to keep a prayer journal and I used to watch as all of these answers to prayer would be answered and be amazed and the one prayer that was not answered for years and years was my prayer for a husband. And, you know, somebody told me a long time ago, and again, this is, you know, something that we hear quite frequently is that there's a, there's a yes answer to prayer, there's a no answer to a prayer, and there's a not now or not yet. Um, but, you know, we have to examine our hearts and look at the reasons why we're asking 
God for these things, because if we're asking out of selfish desire, nothing's going to come from it. We always have to be genuine in our reasoning, you know, for asking for things. So, you well, know, a lot of times we're not prepared for what we're asking for. That's true. That's and very true. And if you were true. to just go, okay, give it to us right then, you know, would we? We wouldn't be ready. Absolutely. You know, you were praying for a husband that wasn't ready for you. And I wasn't ready for you either. Yeah, absolutely. So when it, you know, it's kind of neat when it does come together and you can put the pieces of the puzzle together and go, you know, he was working on every single little bitty detail. But I have learned that when I'm not getting an answer to my prayer to change the way I'm praying. Oh, I agree. I agree. So, um, you know, there are things that maybe he's like, like you said, we're not prepared for them yet. So then we have to start thinking differently, asking him, Father, what should I be praying for? Yeah, and he'll take it. He'll, you know, whatever you lack, if you ask him, he will direct you. So even if you can't think of it on your own, you ask him to think of it for you. You know, Father, I don't have the words. Give me the words. Father, I don't even know what to pray for. Help me to pray. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. If you ask for him to be there, he will be there for you. When you're asking out of, you know, something that's not selfish, you just want his help. You just want him there. I've, when you just want his will, yeah, I think you pray differently. You do, yeah. You know, when you're when you're truly asking for what he wants, as opposed to what you want, mm -hmm. and that's a prayer he has to answer. Mm -hmm. You know, when you think about it, you know uh, what we think we want or need, maybe way off the mark. So when we pray his will, that's a prayer he's got to, he, he has to answer. Um, ask anything in my name. I think I, I didn't really understand that verse for many years until I realized that, like what you said, I, was, I wasn't praying the right way. Yeah, and just the one that always comes to me is, you know, you have not because you ask not. And it's true, you know, a lot of the times we're complaining about things, but, you know, have we really given it over to God? Have we really surrendered it to him and said, okay, Father, on your timing and your will, here it is. Because I noticed that I didn't meet you until I finally let go of trying to control it. You know, I was out there online dating for a while and... You know, just trying to control the situation in typical Tina fashion. And then when I finally said, you know what? You're enough and you're going to make it happen when you're ready. And if it doesn't happen, it's going to be okay. You know? That's when he seems to give it to you when it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Because I prayed yeah. for him to take the desire away from me if it wasn't his will for me to, to have go. someone. And, uh, Which we, we know it's his will for you to have someone, but still, when you, when you pray with a purity of heart like that, 
that he recognizes that, that you're willing to say, if you bless me, great. If you don't, great. I'm good. And it's in that contentment that is when he seems to say, okay, here you go. It took me forever oh. though, to pray that one. <laughs> You're not kidding. Yeah. Wow, baby. What a great testimony. And I know someone out there needed to hear that tonight. There might be somebody listening that's been involved or is involved in some domestic issues. And if you'd like to contact us and maybe you'd like to speak to Tina, uh, send us a note to GodStoriesRadio at gmail.com and I'll get it to Tina and Tina can touch base with you. And if you've got some personal things you'd like to talk about with her, maybe get some advice or just pray. Absolutely. Yes. Please contact us. GodStoriesRadio at gmail.com. We also have a blog on our website at GodStoriesRadio.com. You can send us a message through that. You can send us a message through Facebook.com slash GodStoriesRadio. You can also tweet us, as Mikey says, at GodStoriesRadio on Twitter. So there's many, many, many avenues that you can get in touch with us. I know, too, that Trish was involved pretty heavily with some, you know, domestic abuse as well. So either Trish or Tina, you know, I know they would be glad to pray with you and uh, listen to your story. And it's GodStoriesRadio at gmail.com. I know somebody's listening right now that needs that email address. So that's why I'm saying it again. So. And I just want to remind everyone out there that prayer changes things. Amen. It does. So don't stop praying. Amen. And we're not scared to believe with you. You know, uh, me and Tina and mm-hmm. Mikey and Trish, we're prayer warriors. And uh, we'll go to town on your behalf where two or more are gathered. He's in the midst. And we know we've seen some some lives changed and things turned around, not because of what we do, but because of what he does. Amen. And we thank you also for listening to God Stories Radio and supporting God Stories Radio. And without you guys, we couldn't continue. And we're so glad. Thank you so much. I want to thank Megan for her $50 gift today. Thank you, Megan. Thank you so much. Uh, for being obedient and blessing us. That's going to help to meet some expenses this month. And we just we just love you and appreciate you. And we're praying for you. This has been just an amazing time. And I'm so glad we did it. You know, I miss Mikey and Trish, but when I told them what we were going to do, they were like, go for it. Yeah, I go really, I really appreciate them for giving us this time. So... Amazing. Again, if you need to get in touch with us, it's GodStoriesRadio at gmail.com. Send us a note. If it's something you uh, want to attach for Tina, just put in the title that uh, for Tina and be session 96, and I'll make sure that, that she gets it. We love you guys, and we appreciate you, and uh, thanks for yes. spending the last 50 minutes with us. Yes, thank you. Thank <laughs> you.
Well, that about wraps it up for session 96. I'm Fritz. And I'm Tina. God bless. God bless. The reason why I stand, the answer lies in you. You hung to make me strong, though my praise was few. When I fall, I bring your name down, but I have found in you a heart that bleeds forgiveness, replacing all these thoughts of painful memories. But I know that your response will always be. Taking me